give him the missionary voice where I can really talk loud, too. But I'll use the microphone. <clears throat> really, we do serve a God who is worthy to be praised. And his, his great name will be praised throughout all the earth. It's one of the reasons that we as the Alliance don't just plant churches in the United States, but all around the world. It's one of the reasons why we as a church have chosen to partner with different uh, groups around the world. We, as, as you know, I think you know those partnerships. You're going to hear more about them and how you can be involved in them. The Dominican Republic and how we're partnering with them, you'll hear more about that. The, the country of Senegal and the missionaries there, you'll hear more about that. And also, you heard a few weeks ago that we took a trip, uh, four of us, to Green Mountains, uh, to the Green Mountains. And you're going to hear this morning a little bit more about that partnership and what's taking place there. In fact, it's, it's really a privilege for us that we have a couple from the Green Mountains uh, be with us here this morning. They're not really from the Green Mountains. In fact, they're from the United States, and they ministered for several years uh, in Menominee, Wisconsin. Say that with me, because it's just fun to say, Menominee. Menominee. You didn't have as much fun as I did, really, but Menominee, Wisconsin, for about 18 years. And then they got a, a call that... Uh, in one way, drastically changed their lives, and in another, was just another step in the process. And they're going to tell you a little, about, a little bit about that this morning. Jack and Diana Stimmel are with us. Again, you, you heard about them a few weeks ago, saw their picture. Now you get to see them live. Jack is the, the team leader there. Jack and Diana minister there in, in an international church as well in the Green Mountains. So I'm going to ask Diana to come. She's going to share with you for a few minutes, and then Jack's going to come and share a little bit about the ministry there, but also from the Word of God this morning. So welcome. We're glad that you're here this morning. Uh, several years ago, Jack and I were returning from a pastoral care trip in Far East Asia. And after 36 hours of not sleeping, I said, Lord, I think I'm too old for this international stuff anymore. Um, but God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Um, they're higher and they're better, not always easier. And uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and he chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And because God delights to use weak and foolish things, Jack and I got a call. Uh, in January of 2010, uh, we had just come back from Florida with our younger son where we had visited our older son and his wife and our first grandchild. Uh, and we get this phone call from our national office asking us if we would be willing to be the lead couple in pushing back the darkness in a country called the Green Mountains. Uh, it was unexpected, but we sensed God saying this was his call. Was it an easy call to receive? In some ways, no. But we have learned that you do not say no to Jesus if you've looked at the cross. And uh, there were two main obstacles in receiving this call and accepting. Uh, one was I have a very precious mother uh, who has no short-term memory, and I was her major caregiver. Uh, and she's in assisted living, but I have no other family. We 
ministered in western Wisconsin for 18 years. We thought that's where God was going to keep us. We were seeking the kingdom in western Wisconsin. Wisconsin has never had a move of the Holy Spirit. And we were praying and seeking and asking God to move in Wisconsin and trusting him. So we thought God was going to keep us in western Wisconsin. And then we have a younger son who's single, who lives in western Wisconsin, and we have no family there. So we knew if we accepted this call, we would be taking our son's home base. He, he lived in an apartment, but we'd be taking his home. And um, I approached some friends, and I said, I think God's calling us overseas, but I can't leave unless if I know someone will care for my mother. And they prayed about it, came back the next day, and said, we will love your mother like our own. Uh, and I think they actually do a better job than I did. <laughs> uh, and then our younger son gave us his blessing. And so we found ourselves, when we were thinking, hopefully, that maybe life was going to get easier, getting rid of all of our stuff and going to a new place. Uh, weak, foolish things in a very small country, in a very hot spot place in the world, with a small team in a small fellowship, expecting a God who is great to do a great thing. Um, it has not always been easy, but it has been good. Um, God truly does delight to use the foolish and the weak things of the world to confound the wise. I even have a confession to make. Uh, while sitting there, God had to convict me of a prideful thought about talking about being weak. Um, <laughs> so God uses cracked pots. In 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul writes that we have the knowledge of the light of the glory of, the, of God in the face of Christ Jesus. And then he goes on and says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels in jars of clay. And we serve a great God, even though we're nothing but weak um, earthen vessels, shards of clay. We still leak. But God is doing a great work in the Green Mountains. And I just want to thank you as Community Alliance Church here in Butler, because you are partnering with us. We could not do what we are doing without you. Uh, Pastor Bob and Grace and Ray and Sid ministered greatly to our hearts. They continue to minister greatly to us. You pray for us. You give to the Great Commission Fund. And you might feel like you are a weak and foolish thing in western Pennsylvania. But you are doing a great work for God where he has planted you. And so I just want to thank you from our team for partnering with us and trusting a great God to do a great thing. Um, Green Mountains is very dark. Uh, Isaiah 60 talks about people who are in a deep darkness. And Green Mountains is a deep darkness. They have been traumatized by war. The average woman has seven abortions. A man is expected to be unfaithful to his wife. They are a very religious people, but they have been taught 
that God is too holy and he is too other, and they have to go only to him through indirect means. And so you are making it possible for us in our weak, foolish clay pots to manifest the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. So thank you very much. So how would you have responded to a telephone call? How would you respond if you go home from church today and your answering machine light is blinking or maybe you look at your cell phone and you see that there was a message left for you because you hadn't responded to the call? How would you respond? What would you say if you pick up the phone this afternoon and it is God speaking? And God says, I want you to leave your home. I want you to leave your family. I want you to sell what you have. And I want you to go to a country you know not. And I want you to go to a people you know not, as he said to Abram, who became Abraham. What would you say to that call? How would you respond? Well, none of us really know for certain. And we know how we hope we would respond, perhaps. <clears throat> But I want to suggest to you that the call that we received in January is a secondary call. The call that we're going to just touch on this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, this call that the Apostle Paul speaks about as he writes to the church at Corinth is also a secondary call. Back in August of 1971, I responded to a greater call. I had just come back from Vietnam as a medic with the Marines. God had given me an opportunity to see that he was who he says he is and got my attention, and it was in August of 1971 that I gave my heart to Christ. It was in August of 1971 that I responded to a call from the Father to enter into relationship with his son. That was the greatest call I have ever received and that was the greatest response to a call that I could ever have given. And every other call that I have received since then has been secondary to that primary call. Have you responded to the primary call of God upon your life? It's a call to enter into fellowship with His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a call to join a church. It's a call to be a part of His body, His church, with Him as the head. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul begins by saying that he was called as an apostle of Jesus Christ. He talked about those who were saints by calling. The calling of God is critical to the Christian life. If we do not know for certain that God has called us and that we are responding to him to the best of our ability as broken, weak, poor clay pots, then we're not going to respond to these secondary calls in the way that's appropriate and pleasing in his sight. The Apostle Paul, on a road to Damascus, received a primary call from God. He was persecuting the church. He was about to imprison other Christians as he went to Damascus. And it was there that God called him through his son to enter into fellowship with him. Paul said yes. 
Aren't you glad he did? We wouldn't have this book and many other books in the New Testament had he not said yes to that primary call. When the Apostle Paul wrote his letter to the church at Corinth, he was writing to a church that had it all in many ways. As you read through the book, as you read the account of how he spent a year and a half in that country that's recorded in the book of Acts chapter 18, you will see that the Apostle Paul was writing to a people who were really, really gifted in many ways. And it perhaps would have been easy for them to say, you know, we've got it all. Everything is wonderful here. We've got gifted preachers, gifted leaders, gifted teachers, beautiful sanctuary. We've got all of these things going for us. Everything is going great. But when the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he wanted to remind them of their call. He wanted to remind them of his call. And he wanted to call their attention to the fact that they were chosen for something. They were chosen not to just be a part of a fellowship. They were chosen for something that was far greater than themselves. And you have been chosen for something far greater than yourselves as well. In January of 2010, when Diana and I received this call from our national office, in one sense, it was a tough one because we had come through some tough times as a fellowship. We were in a process of healing, and we really thought that God would keep us there, and that's where we would spend the rest of our ministry days until we moved into whatever retirement looks like for those who can't afford to retire anyway. But in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the prayer, one of the things that came to us in those early days as we were seeking to respond properly to God's call upon our lives was that as God was calling us in this secondary sense, he was really saying to us, I trust you. I trust you with bearing my name. I trust you with carrying my name to another country of the world. I trust you with this very special treasure that is yours in an earthen vessel. And I want you to know that he wants to say the same thing to you. The primary call is essential. Make sure that you have responded to his call to enter into fellowship with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And having, had, having done that, then this other call was really a no-brainer for us. Yeah, it hurt. Yes, it was difficult. Yes, it still is difficult to leave our grandson, our two-and-a-half-year-old grandson yesterday in Dayton, Ohio, and to say, see you later, and not know for sure when we're going to see him again. Yeah, it's tough. But you see, we had already said yes to a higher call from God when this secondary call came. And so everything else is kind of an amen to the greater call that God had given to us doesn't make us super saints. Oh, my goodness gracious. People look at us and they say, oh, we just respect you. We admire you. We could never do what you do. We could not do what we do apart from the grace of God. We can't do that. We are weak, weak vessels. 1987, we had just come back from a four-year term of service in South Korea. We were at the centennial celebration of our organization in Minneapolis. I was in a dressing room putting on my Korean hanbok, my Korean garb that men and women wear, different garb, but men wear one and women wear the other. And I was dressing, and a gentleman that some of you may have met named Bill Cutts 
was standing next to me. How many of you have ever met or heard of Bill Cutts? Bill Cutts was a missionary to the Irian Jaya area in the Indonesia chain. Bill was badly crippled. And he was trying to put on his war vest that he used there with the Moni people. And he couldn't put it on because he was crippled. And he asked me to help him. Well, out of Bill and Gracie's ministry over many years that many thought shouldn't have happened, they couldn't have gone, they shouldn't have gone because they weren't strong, they weren't gifted, they didn't have all of these other things in the natural that other people had, they were weak. Since that ministry ended from a physical perspective, it continues from an eternal perspective. A book was written. The title of the book, Weak Thing in Moni Land. We are weak things in Green Mountains. Our team, weak things in Green Mountains. So we come to you in weakness. And we come to you boasting in our weakness so that he might be given all the honor and all the glory. The calling of God is so incredibly important. Whether you're here in western Pennsylvania whether you're in Green Mountains, Western Wisconsin, wherever you might find yourself, make certain that you know that you have responded to the call of God. And if you're not certain, you don't have that assurance, you have pastors and elders and other Christian leaders, those who are mature, those who've known Jesus for a few years, who would be happy to come alongside of you. Make certain that you have driven that stake in the ground. Because every other decision that you make throughout life will be influenced by that decision. Make sure you've made it. Make sure you've made the right decision. And you've said yes to the Savior. I want to share with you a few verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And then a story as we bring this to a close in just a little bit. In chapter 1, the first several verses, the Apostle Paul is speaking about the calling of God and the importance of unity and so forth. And then in verse 9, he says this, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't it good to know that God is faithful? It's not that God was faithful. We're not talking about a God of history past. And we're not talking about a God of history future. We're talking about the great I am who lives in the eternal now, who lives outside of space and time, but has chosen to invade our space and time so that he could get personal with us, so that he could enter us and lead us into a life relationship of fellowship and intimacy with his eternally begotten son. God is faithful, and he has called us into fellowship with his son. He talks about the wisdom of God in the next section. And it's kind of interesting to me. We talk a lot about wise people and we get education, graduate degrees, postgraduate degrees, and we look at those people as knowledgeable, as wise, and they are knowledgeable, and they perhaps are very wise. But often we lose sight of the fact that the wisdom of God is different. For instance... When we think of the wisdom of God, we think of things like we who are enjoying life, the eternal life, the abundant life that John spoke about in John chapter 10, verse 10, is only possible because of the death of the Lord Jesus. 
foolish. How could the death of someone bring life to others? How could a father love his son so much that he would actually kill him so that the world could have an opportunity to have life through him? Foolish. Stupid. Doesn't make sense. The wisdom of God often doesn't make sense from a human perspective. We often celebrate the doctrines of the Christian faith. But we fail to make the connection oftentimes. Justification, the just shall live by faith, placed in right standing with God, is only possible because the eternally begotten Son who was pure in every way, who was spotless and never sinned, was condemned for us. So that we wouldn't have to experience condemnation. Which there is now no condemnation to those who are in fellowship with His Son, in the Lord Jesus Christ. The wisdom of God in conflict with the wisdom of man. We talk about blessing. We ask for the blessing of God. We pray blessing on others. But we would not be able to do that were not for the fact that the Father cursed the Son. That's what Galatians 3 reminds us of. So he received the curse of sin so that we might receive the blessing of God. Isn't that incredible? The wisdom of God. The power of God. And our weakness. It's just an incredible thing. And then in verses 26 and following, I just want to read these verses and kind of wrap up and share this final story with you. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God. You ought to do a study of the but God sometime. It'll bless your soul. But God, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God, but by his doing. You are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. God has chosen. He's chosen us to be his. He's chosen you to be his. I have met several of you over the last couple of days. I know that some of you are very weak physically. But you're strong in him. Others of you are very strong physically. But do you recognize that you are really weak apart from his mighty, powerful intervention in your life? God has chosen these things to confound the wise, the foolish, the weak, the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Five years ago, our organization did not know anything about this country or showed no interest. It was not on their international schedule. It was not a part of their long-term strategy. Five years ago, Diana and I didn't know anything about Green Mountains. We heard about it a few years ago at a Winter Olympics event the day before the actual startup of the event, of the event a young luge athlete 
crashed and killed, was killed. And so we heard a little bit about this country. When we asked, uh, were asked to prayerfully consider going to this region of the world as a result of this phone call conversation back in January 2010, we had to actually look on a map to see where this country was located. We didn't have a clue. But all of a sudden, something has happened over the last few years. And now this little piece of real estate is right front and center on the radar screen of our organization. And we believe on the radar screen of God because God wants to use the weak things of the world to confound those who are strong. And there are strong nations around us. He wants to take the foolish things, these crack pots, and he wants to use those foolish things to confound the wise. He wants to take those things that were not. We didn't have a ministry there five years ago to nullify those things that are. He wants to take a ministry that is alive and lifts up the Lord Jesus Christ to nullify traditions that offer no hope, no life, no future. That's why we're there. Weak, foolish, old, or older, as well as young and younger, in order to accomplish his divine plan. Why does he use this kind of people? Why did he choose you? Why did he choose me? If you were God, would you have chosen you? If you were God, would you have chosen this person sitting next to you? I wouldn't. I wouldn't have chosen you. I wouldn't have chosen me. But God uses the weak things. And even knowing what he knows about you and me, isn't it amazing that he still loves us and he still chooses us? That's what's so incredible about this God we serve. And he uses us in weakness. He uses us in all of those inadequacies that are true of us for one reason. So that when he does something in and through our lives, he gets all the glory. We can't boast about it. We can't brag about it. We could, but inappropriately so. So that God gets all the, door, the glory. Well, <clears throat> he does this because of his love for a lost world. There's another verse in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. The Lord Jesus is just about to be arrested and tried and taken out and crucified. Beaten severely beyond recognition. A weak thing, yet a powerful God. A foolish act, yet the wisdom of God says it had to happen if redemption could be offered to a lost world. And in the midst of this teaching that he gave to his disciples, between the upper room and between between that and the garden and the judgment seat of Pilate and the cross. Jesus said this, You have not chosen me. I have chosen you. And I have appointed you that you might go and bear fruit and that your fruit might remain. And then he goes on to say, I'm giving you a command. The command is that you love one another. Jesus reminded his disciples as they walked with him to the unknown, unknown to them, fully known by the master, 
And he said, I want you to remember, you didn't choose me. I walked by the sea when you were repairing your nets. I did this. I took the initiative. I chose you. And I have appointed you. Bible scholars, some Bible scholars tell me that that word appointed is a military word. It means I have strategically placed you for battle. I have appointed you so that you would go and bear fruit and so that your fruit would remain. God chose us. We didn't choose him. And God has strategically placed us where we are, not because of what we have to offer, but because of who lives in us and wants to reach people through us. God has also chosen you. And God has strategically placed you where you are. You may be in a classroom. You may be, I met a new principal this morning who's starting his position as principal in just two weeks. God has appointed you to that position. He has strategically placed you where you are for such a time as this. And he wants to use you strategically to bear fruit. And not just fruit that will last for a few years, but fruit that will remain until Jesus comes. You may be in a job that you don't like, but have you ever seen your job as God having strategically placed you where you are for such a time as this to be salt and light where you are so that others might be brought to the Savior through your life? The neighborhood where you live, you are not there by chance. You are not there just because the house was cheaper than other houses you were looking to buy. You were there by divine decree. God has strategically placed you where you are. Because he is sovereign, he is supreme over all. He has placed you where you are, not just to put in a nine-to-five workday, but he's placed you where you are to bear fruit, and fruit that will remain until Jesus comes. You may not think you have much to offer. That's fine. That's a wonderful position to be in. Because in your weakness, God becomes your strength. I don't have a whole lot of education. That is wonderful because in your lack of wisdom, God provides you with all that you have need of. I'm not that relational. I'm more of an introvert. So am I, believe it or not. I get drained being in front of people like you. Even though you've been very warm in your nonverbal body language expressions. But God takes weak things, foolish things, so that when God does something in and through them, he gets all the glory and all the power goes to him and is through him that we're able to do what we do. One final story. As pastoral couple for an international fellowship, the other hat that we wear, we have tried diligently over our almost two years in country to connect people. People from different ministry groups, people from different business-related groups, other business ventures that have sent people to the country, college students, medical students. We've tried to connect them. So from a perspective of fellowship and ministry, we want the left hand to know what the right hand is doing. One of those couples that we had coffee with two years ago almost two years ago. Uh, we're just passing through, went back to Southern California, and they really felt like God was calling them to return to Green Mountains and to a specific ministry to a group of people that lived east of our city. 
300 to 500,000 people in our little country with no visible Christian witness. They returned. A little over a year ago, we met with them again. They had been married at that time two years. They were praying for a baby. They were a little older in their mid-30s. And God answered their prayer and she became pregnant. And so we walked with them through the excitement of their early months of pregnancy. In January of this year, she went home to Southern California for a baby shower. Everything was just so exciting. She came back to Green Mountains and just a couple of days later, complications began to develop. There was a tear in the placenta and what we found out after the fact is as a result of this tear and her being early in her pregnancy, sepsis settled into the baby. The baby died after nine days. At 32 weeks, that baby was born. They lived with us for several weeks while they were in and out of the hospital because our apartment was in closer proximity to their hospital than where they were living east of the city. We spent time with his parents who were coming through for a ministry in Africa, and so they lived with us for a while. But they had a passion for this region of the world. And we had the opportunity to walk with them through this grieving process. I had the wonderful privilege of taking that cold little eight-pound corpse, the shell of a baby, a beautiful little girl named Shannon, and putting it in a handmade casket that had just been made for us the day before. And then we took that casket down with us to where the baby was going to be buried. They wanted the baby to be buried on the hillside overlooking the city and the region that God had so burdened their hearts for because God had given them a love for this people and they wanted this people to know that the love of our lives, this little girl, this precious little gift that we had for a season is being placed in the ground as a testimony of our love for you. It was a powerful day. There were Muslims from the school where she taught English. There were Muslims from their apartment building where they lived. There were Muslims from other areas in that city where they lived that they had established relationship with who were present there. As we had the opportunity to lift up the name of Jesus and to let them know that there is a hope that goes beyond the grave. That we do mourn. And it's a gut-wrenching morning at times, even as many of you have mourned this last week at the passing of Chuck, the guy that has done such a wonderful job of overseeing sound. But it's not a morning that is as we have no hope of ever seeing them again. It's not a goodbye, it's a see you later. And we had the opportunity to declare that on that day. It's a powerful day. Now, that's not the end of the story. Because there is going to be incredible fruit that will remain in that country because they have paid a price, a price they did not know they would need to pay. But you see, they had first said yes to Jesus. They had said yes to his call. It was back in January of the previous year that a number of men from the Western Pennsylvania District were there in our city with us, and we traveled to this region, and we stood on the hillside overlooking the city and overlooking this region where all of these Muslims live. And we prayed over the city. We prayed that God would bring people to the city and people to the region who would live out the gospel, who would be salt and light among the people so that these people can be brought into fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And since that time, this couple has come. They have given the life of their little girl, as it were, placed her in the ground. There are two other couples that have come from a neighboring country, have just sensed a strong calling of God to come and live there and work among the Muslims. And there's another couple as well that we've heard about. So God is up to something. Because you see, he doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants all people to come to know and love him and come to repentance and faith in him. And that's really what it's all about. So I close with this. God has called us, each of you, me, my wife, my family, he has called us to himself. He's called us to be his children. He's called us into fellowship with himself through his eternally begotten son. Have you responded to that call? It's really a call to full commitment. It's a call to say, God, whatever you want, I belong to you. You have purchased me with the blood of your son. I belong to you. It's a call to surrender. It's a call to his lordship. It's not an easy believism Christianity. It's a call that we'll go where he wants us to go. We'll do what he wants us to do. We'll pay the price he wants us to pay because Jesus is worth it. Because you see, Jesus said yes to the Father's call to go to a lost world. And that's what he's calling us to. You may be here in western Pennsylvania, but you have a vital ministry here. You are on front lines of ministry here, even as we are on front lines of ministry there. The torrents of ungodliness sweeping through this country are absolutely overwhelming. And many of you feel that. So it's responding to the call of God to be who he's called you to be, where he's planted you. And that's what he calls us all to do. You're each going to run a different race. But the calling of God is to follow him wherever that race leads you so that when we all get to that finish line, he will be able to look at each of us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the master. Have you responded to his call? Do you really understand that you were chosen? You are special to you may see your thing as a weak thing in yourself as a weak thing in Money Land. <laughs> then you are in the best possible place to be because it's weak things that God uses for his glory. It's weak things that he uses to accomplish his great work. Never forget that. We are so grateful for the investment that you have made directly or indirectly to what is happening thousands of miles away. The people of that country will maybe not on this side, but on the other side, one day, be able to say thank you for doing your part here so that they could do their part there, reaching people here so that we could reach people there, so that we could all be together in fellowship for all of eternity around the throne of the slain Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. Aren't you glad you're a part of the family of God? I am. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you. I thank you for the call of God. Thank you that you have called each of us to yourself. You've called us to be in relationship with Jesus, and every other call is really an amen to the primary call. 
And I ask that if there be anybody here this morning, Lord, who's never really responded to that initial call. They thought because they were born and raised in a Christian home that they're a follower of Jesus. Would you help them to realize that there's a need to pick up the phone? The message is waiting. Will you follow me? And will you go where I want you to go? And will you do what I want you to do and be who I want you to be? Will you do it regardless? And that's really what he's asking of us. Help us each, Lord, to say yes to the biggest call. And then help us to be able to say yes to all of the other subsequent calls that come our way. Until we get to the other side where we can celebrate together all that God has done through weak and broken vessels and all for his honor and for his glory. And we ask this all in Jesus' name.